Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking part in this immersive listening experience. A meaningful existence is a moving target that no matter how close, will always be out of reach. We hope this message finds you with an outstretched hand. As we attempt to uncover complex truths, remember, life's toughest questions can be answered if we all just focus on one thing. Being good people. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Good People, episode number 30. Today, I was joined by Dr. Dave Cojodes. He is a men's coach and the founder of Unbreakable Man. Today, we talked about what it means to be an unbreakable man, some of the characteristics of masculinity, the differences between vulnerability and openness, and the importance of a rite of passage. Before we begin today's episode, if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider giving the show a rating. It really does help us out a ton. Without further ado, enjoy today's episode with Dave. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you agreeing to come on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's going to be a good conversation. I am, uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. This is a topic that I'm extremely curious about. Um, men, here, here, here are two truths that I think exist about men that I want to start with. Uh, and, and we can sort of go back and forth on this. The first truth that I think exists is currently in this in our culture, men are struggling a lot. Truth. Way yeah. too much. Like it, it's a problem. But I also think the second truth is I don't want to necessarily say silly. I don't know what the word I'm I'm looking for is, but it feels a bit silly to talk about men problems. You were, you know, I, I agree. And there's this 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 thought in society that men are privileged that men have some sort of uh, superiority based on kind of like the the conversations that have been going on uh, in society, whether we want to call it patriarchal thinking or, you know, lack of, of uh, feminine empowerment. You know, it's sort of this, this underlying thought that men don't have problems because we were given the upper hand to make certain decisions, whether it be in the family unit, in society, in government, in leadership roles. And what that has done actually is not only has it hurt men because we as men are not able to express our problems because, well, if we're, if we're good, it's sort of like it's a lonely at the top kind of thought pattern that if we, if we're good, right. If we're privileged, if we have everything that we've ever wanted, how dare you have problems, right? Like your problems don't matter. And the way you described men, you know, men are hurting. And, you know, kind of that first point is like absolutely true. You know, men, men are hurting and I've, I've seen it. I, you know, I saw it with myself. In fact, it was right after, um, you know, Donald Trump was elected president and there was a, a woman that I was chatting with and she was really upset, like really upset about it. And, you know, I, I didn't vote for the guy in the beginning. And I was like, you know, like just trying to help her understand both sides of the thing. Cause I'm much of a, of a, I understand both sides of the story, et cetera. And she called me privileged. And I was at the height of, um, in that moment, I was in, in a very dark night of my soul. And I knew in that moment that when she called me privileged, it was like a spark that went off. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm hurting. Like I'm, but nobody, nobody gives a fuck, right? Like nobody cares about, about men. And yet there has to be somebody that cares. Otherwise the, the cycle of 
of this sort of underlying shadow element of of nature of the society will continue and men will continue to be hurt and harmed etc and there had to be a change and that's you know that's really what got me into what i do today mm. I, I I appreciate what, what you're saying there too. And there's another element to the it's hard to talk about men problems that I've been giving a lot of thought to over the last couple of days in anticipation of this conversation. And it's something that I've felt for a while and I didn't know how to articulate it, but having conversations with people about it and muddling it over in my head, I think I've come to a pretty good analysis of what I mean. And when when I think about men... And I, I'm using the term protector provider. Um, I know you probably have no issue with that with that language at all, right? That is a very masculine thing to do, not necessarily financially or whatever, but protector provider in the masculine sense of we sort of have this natural tendency to want to do that for people, to want to I, I, I describe it as a protector provider is this urge to carry weight or carry burden for other people. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so that mechanism of masculinity of being a man is it's a natural thing that in it it requires you to be silent, okay? Because Dave, if I if I see you're struggling and I'm good and I know that I can take I can I can carry that burden for you, I'm going to. And I'm not going to keep score. I'm not going to I'm not going to say, "Hey man, just so you know, like I'm going to do this thing for you." You know, I'm not going to say anything about it. I'm just going to do it, right? And so the moment I talk about being a man or 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 whatever, I make it about me. And I think that that also that it's it's almost like two sides of the same coin. The mechanism that makes us want to carry weight and do things for others is it, in and of that the that mechanism. Uh, you can't talk about it because it's almost like an anti ego thing. I'm not sure if that's making sense. It does make sense. And and there's kind of two things to unpack there. One of which is like, well, what is masculinity, right? They're like, that mm-hmm. is not really like we have a, like in society, people are trying to say like what masculinity is, but I think a lot of people are, are sort of falsely identifying what masculinity is. There is biologic, and I always like to differentiate this. There is biologic male, female, right? If we look at like a, a computer, right? The hardware of computer is essentially our biology it's it's this it's the dna it's the thing that creates the structure of the physical self it's it's that which we are male right it's the xy chromosome that is the biologic male now within that we ultimately have more testosterone than women we have more you know like we have like androgens that that are just going through our body that then in in sight the psychology the energy of masculinity and so masculinity in and of itself is an energy. And we as men are in general, I always say in general, because there are, there's always, you know, kind of individuals that are kind of on, you know, the outposts, which is the, the energy of masculinity is this, this sort of this part of us, like you were mentioning, like this protector, this provider, uh, this part of us that wants to, you know, be the leader that wants to be a warrior that wants to be, uh, kind of go off in like, as if a math, math, pardon me, mathematician that wants to go and, you know, find the, the unknown and make, make it known. You know, the part of us that wants to be the lover, the artist, the poet, the, 
you know, it's kind of this nuance of all of these sort of this nebulous archetypes. There's a book written by uh, Douglas Gillette and Robert Moore uh, called King Warrior Magician Love, which I highly recommend if, if anybody's interested in diving deeper into this, these types of energies. And this is again, energetic energy can either be created or destroyed. Anybody can tune into energy. So male or math or sorry, uh, biologic man can tune into masculine energy. Biologic man can tune into feminine energy, right? So I got make that distinction. Also biologic woman can tune into masculine energy and feminine energy. Masculine energy creates the structure upon which inside of that, the experience can be just that experience. So think of it like, I always like to give the example of masculinity and femininity, kind of this counterpoint of like a river with the river itself is flowing through the land and bringing life to the land, right? So if you like the Nile river, it, it brings the life force energy with that river without the river banks, the thing that contains the energy of that, which is the life force in this case, femininity, the, without the river banks, the, the water would flow everywhere and it would flood and it would be chaos. And so femininity lends itself to chaos. Masculinity lends itself to order. And so as a human, we have, we contain all of these energies. Now for men being the, the, the individual that carries in general, the masculine archetypes, it's our sovereign duty. It's our gift, our divine right, whatever word works right there for you to carry this masculine energy. Now within that, again, we, we can carry as much of it as we want. Now, what you described, which is carrying a burden, is absolutely correct. We as men oftentimes carry a burden. That is our that is our gift as as the barrier bearer, pardon me, of the masculine energy. Now, what we don't recognize is that just like a pressure cooker, if we start to build and build and build and build that energy without offloading the pressure, that pressure can destroy us. So we as men know that our gift as a human is to carry a burden unlike someone else. We can sacrifice ourselves for the collective. But if we are sacrificing ourselves far too much, what happens over time is that we start to dwindle our life force. We no longer are actually receiving the divine life force that moves through us, the thing that illuminates us, the consciousness, the energy, whatever you want to call it, that part of us no longer exists and we start to destroy ourselves from the inside out. We see that in drug abuse and sex abuse, uh, pornography use, uh, you know, alcoholism. Uh, typically, when we are not allowing ourselves to offload our emotional states, that will just eat us alive because we feel that, oh, well, I can't put my burden on my wife, on my children, on my friends, because if I show up and I express myself vulnerably, then I'm going to put more harm onto them because my job as a man, as this masculine container is to contain, is to hold space for all that is from someone else. But if we don't know how to do our own mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual hygiene, if we don't have those, that component down, then it, it'll, it'll destroy us from the inside out. Hmm. This is really side tangent. This just came to my mind though. Uh, have you ever read the King Killer Chronicles? No, I have not. Is it what? Tell me more. Okay. It's a, it's a fantasy book and it's okay. actually a fantasy series. Um, the first book's called the name of the wind. The second book is called the wise man's fear. Anyways, it's, it's like this 
light fantasy, right? There's a little bit of magic, some like bandits and mercenaries and that sort of thing. But anyways, the main character is like this prodigy hero, young guy, um, comes from like this family of troopers who do acting and yeah. um, through a series of events or whatever, he, you know, he studies magic and studies fighting. But in the second book, there is this culture called the Adem and they, uh, to most people seem like these really fidgety outsiders that are always like twitching and like making weird expressions and stuff. Right. But, uh, this main character, his name's Quoth. He has the opportunity to study with, uh, the, the Adem. He lives with them for a while, which is very, you know, like they don't accept outsiders. Yeah. And through this really long process of living among them, he starts to learn how to fight like them and their culture. And he realizes that, um, some of the fundamental beliefs of their culture is, the reason why they are like blank expression is because they save their facial expressions for family members and things like that. And their fidgeting is like this hand language, which uh, allows them to express their intentions and how, what they mean by words, similar to how like Latin, you know, the ending of the word would dictate the meaning, right? Hand signs do that. Uh, but anyways, this, this culture of it, it's just a big difference and a drastic change from what he's used to. But um, one thing that this culture does differently is they're kind of casual about sex. Uh, they just sort of, you know, that, that's not a very intimate thing for this culture. It, it's, it's more intimate to like spar with somebody or to, or to laugh in front of somebody than it would be to have sex with them. Yeah. And the way the females in the book describe to Quoth, the guy who's learning, um, what sex is is they they say all men have this they call it anger and the reason they use anger is because uh their language they don't there's not like a good word to describe it but they, they have the word in their language and they don't really have like the english word right um and so when this character from the adam is describing to quote like what it is they're saying men have anger and during sex or fighting or uh you know, studying men essentially are getting rid of that anger. And so it just came to mind when you were going through that. When I read it, it was kind of a really beautiful realization for me of like, oh, yeah, this is anger is a good word for it. It's not anger. It is an energy. It's like this thing that we store and builds and we need to release through certain things. But I just wanted to share that with you because it, it kind of was parallel to your story. Yeah. And that it, what you're describing is that it touches on the warrior archetype. And for most men, we do carry the warrior archetype. Now, of course, we carry the king archetype, which is the part of us that is the leader, the one that brings the the order, you know, through the chaos. It's the part of us that really wants to make something new, maybe a new project, a new business, start a family, start, you know, do something incredible in this world. And we carry this warrior archetype right behind it to, in a, in a way, for lack of better words, to do the bidding of the king. Now, if the warrior doesn't have a king to be guided by, meaning, you know, if if the warrior goes out there and tries to just like sort of like um, what's a Don, a Don Quixote, right? I don't know if you ever like read that story or like heard of that, which is, you know, he goes off and he like he's fighting windmills and he's like, you know, running headlong and, you know, and just like fighting all these like kind of crazy battles and he's womanizing and he's having it's that is a story of the, you know, sort of like the the first level man, right? It's like this kind of boy man 
who is just coming online as a you know as a young adult and he just wants to go off and fuck the world for lack of better words right he just wants to do whatever he wants to do and that's like you know age 20 to like 27 you know that's as a most men that are just coming or i would say even 18 in our our day and age to 27 it's like psychologically we are young we want to take over the world and we just want to run headlong and then as we start to come online when i say come online i mean psychologically come online because physically it's sort of a a funny part of being the human experience we physically morph before and mature before we psychologically morph and mature so it's like we have the hardware but we don't have the software yet so generally i say generally around age 27 is when most men start to wake up they start to grow up psychologically and they're looking for something a little bit deeper and that's sort of like the hamlet phase of life that's like to be or not to be that is the question they start to reckon with their own shadow their own their own pains their own wounds their own mortality they start to you know start asking questions deeper questions like who am i why am i here what am i what is my purpose and in that frame in that time frame they they're looking for something and that they're really craving that king archetype and so what you're describing is uh the warrior archetype it's it's the the part of us that wants to go headlong into the world and, and take on the world uh and oftentimes we, you know we as you know i was i was a warrior i, I guess I, I consider myself still a warrior but it's just in a different context uh because i'm a veteran of these united states you know went to war and and fought my battles and came home and you know isolated and you know did the whole veteran thing uh that when we when we isolate and we sort of don't allow for our our emotion, aka our our anger, to be expressed, what happens is that we become repressed and then depressed, and then ultimately we, we feel oppressed uh, as men. And so, oftentimes, it comes out in the form of anger. Uh, and so, common expression of that, you know, like you're describing, fighting. Um, Jiu-jitsu is good for people like martial arts, working out, doing those things that, like, okay, this is like it's a g- good um, start. And I would say that there's even deeper work, right? Like that's like a, you know, letting the, the, the pressure valve go a little bit, but underneath all that, the pressure still is coming in. And so that's, I guess the difference between what I teach and common thread in society, which is, you know, letting go of that pressure valve in the form of working out, you know, cold plunging meditation, et cetera. Those are good fundamentals to have, but then every once in a while you need to go in there and you need to let the whole pressure valve go and it go it comes out in most mm-hmm. incredible expressive ways uh and th- and that's the stuff that I teach um in the unbreakable man yeah i i know we've sort of been going back and forth here just kind of riffing off of each other uh you brought up a couple things that i would like to undress uh and i think that or unpack, I guess undress is a weird undress. Way to yeah, we can, we can talk about undressing for sure, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I want to take a step back, and I think um, hitting hitting this again from from a couple steps back will allow us to at least help me understand more of the full picture. Uh, yeah. So let's start with what does it mean to be an unbreakable man? Yeah, so an unbreakable man, like you know, it's it, it started as hyperbole. And then it became like a real thing. And it just sort of like that name just kind of popped in my head. And it really just comes down to the ability to command your inner and outer world, 
right? If you have the ability to command your outer world, which most men want, right? They want to be a commander of their life. Like they want to get the house and the car and the money and the sex and the, you know, like they want to command their outer world. They want to be disciplined. They want to build companies. Like, you know, for instance, you're, you're starting this podcast or you're doing this podcast rather you're, you're, becoming a commander you have to show up on and be rigid with your time and you have to schedule and do all these things and that that's a good commander now to command the inner world is a totally different vibration totally different area of life and what i discovered when i went through my personal experience building a company then losing it and then going through my dark night i didn't have any and we kind of alluded to this earlier i didn't have any inner working or inner processes to help me offload all of the pressure that was building upon me. And I felt so pressurized to provide, to protect, to, you know, be a good leader of my family, of my community, of my company. And I didn't have anybody around me. And so I literally had to create something from the ground up, which is now what I'm teaching, which is helping guys to command their inner world, which at the end of the day is commanding your thoughts and your feelings and knowing how to process the emotions of life. Where do you usually start with people when it comes to looking inside? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way is introspection. And when we could do a quick, uh, a quick, you know, uh, practice right now, which is the start of introspection of what am I experiencing? Because at the end of the day, you know, if I was to say, all right, Joel, I'm going to give you a $10 million dollars but you can never feel different. Would you, would you want that? Uh, what do you mean feel different? Yeah. Like if, if I gave you $10 million, right. Or like, give me a, give me an idea of what, what's a big goal for you. Um, I guess grow this podcast. To, uh, uh, I don't have a specific metric in mind. Okay. So like, let's say you get, you get 10 million views per month. Right. That would be like a big win. Like, yeah, all right. We get 10 million views per month. That's pretty big. Like that's a, that's a, you know, probably 1% podcast, but you couldn't feel different, right? You couldn't feel any better about yourself. Like you could just, you felt the exact same. Would you actually want that? Um, at this moment, I feel pretty good, Dave, cause I'm talking to you on this podcast, but yeah, yeah. in general, um, I, I would say the answer to that is probably no. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the, the reason I ask that question is like, we all want something. All humans want, we all have desire. It's sort of like a hunger. Like we eat a meal and then like we go through life and we're hungry again and we're eating a meal, right? What most individuals don't understand is that we don't actually want the thing. You don't actually want the podcast results. You don't actually want the money in the bank. You don't actually want the house on the hill. You don't actually want that. You want the feeling that that thing is going to derive for you. So the question is, can we actually experience that feeling within us, regardless of situation or circumstance, no matter how good or bad we think the world is outside of us? And so therefore, if we can, we inherently take what we consider meaning, we take the meaning out of the end outcome, and we put the meaning within ourselves. And so therefore, we find our worthiness, we find our self-worth, we find our, our self-love, we find our, our adequacy right? And so we are then in command of our inner world. So where I start people, it's a long-winded answer to a short question, where I start people is literally just, well, what's your experience right now, right? What stories are you telling yourself? So we, we dive into the fundamentals and I do start them on basic fundamentals like meditation, breath work, 
getting into, you know, cold immersion, doing things that are outside of their comfort zone so they can start taking command. And then ultimately going through the process of introspection so that they can start to experience of like, oh, well, when my wife says this thing, it really irritates me. And if it's really irritating you and then you spout off like, well, fuck you, you know, like you are then coming from a reactive mindset versus a proactive mindset or in this case, response, I call it, I like to call it responsive mindset. And in doing so, you're just going to perpetuate more of that same cycle over and over and over again. Your prefrontal cortex shuts off. Your amygdala starts to turn on. Your reptilian brain starts to start to overactivate. And you start to get the same old patterns and old mindsets that you otherwise were based on the, you know, the old mindsets you have. So where I start people is literally just the fundamentals of Okay, well, what what are you feeling right now? What do you, you know, like we just kind of go into a, a simple question, kind of introspective, like, all right, like if you thought about where you're at right now, you mentioned you're like, I feel good, all right? Awesome, perfect. That's good. Like, what does good feel like? You know, and then we kind of dive in a little bit deeper into that stuff. Mm -hmm. mm. I heard it on a podcast recently, but magic happens uh, with two things active body, still mind still body, active mind. So in, in moments of moving and engaging in physical stuff, and then also we need moments of stillness where we're turning inward. And it kind of sounds like it's a very similar game or, or uh, framework that you're using. And um, my question here is encouraging people to do practices like this, you know, create some sort of physical discipline, um, habit and also one that allows you to look inward. What exactly does that do and change overall? Like a, a way that I describe uh, inner work, self work to people is that it just makes you you're interfacing with life better uh, at a very simple level. Obviously, there's so much that goes into that, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I like to I like to think that if, you know if there is magic, it's it's when the same situation happens to you. Let's say you know your wife and and you. I don't know if you have a long term partner, but like let's say you and your wife uh, get into a certain argument around money, and that argument keeps showing up in your pattern. Maybe once a month, maybe every quarter. You know, cash flows are a little bit tight. Whatever that thing is, I always think that it's the magic happens when the same circumstance comes to you, but your response is now different. You know that subconsciously your character has now evolved. You no longer get upset or react in the same way you used to. And so, you know, the way I like to think about um, human consciousness and, and personal evolution is being a full spectrum man, a whole man is the ability to, to sit with and process every like single emotion that is in the human state. So we as humans, we actually operate based on emotion, whether we know it or not. We think we're operating on ration, but we're not because we're, we're operating on emotion subconsciously thinking that I'm either going to do something that brings me closer to pleasure or away from pain. So even me getting on this podcast, it's like, oh, well, this is helping me help more people. And that's moving me closer to pleasure. And then the away from pain is like, well, if I if I don't do another podcast or don't do another, you know, piece of content, then people will forget about me. So like it's it's typically a combination of both. So if we as humans can sit with our state of emotion and just be with it, like you're mentioning the, the stillness, right, in the action, or I think you mentioned the action in the stillness, 
It's, it is the ability to be with the experience itself. So when you are with the experience of life itself, what that means is even in the shitty moments of life, I can be with it, right? Even in the, the moments where you and your wife are, are really getting at each other's necks or you're not making enough sales or you feel like a hundred pounds overweight and you just don't, you can't pull yourself to the gym. Like, can you be okay with that? Can you accept that? The, just like the fact that that exists and in that, you will find your strength. You will find your wholeness because you're giving awareness to the parts of us that we're typically running from, which is our shadow. And in the shadow, we have shame and guilt and apathy and depression and all of the fear, anger, rage, all, the, all of the things that we typically find as bad, even though there's no such thing as bad emotions. Is that openness or uh, acceptance what vulnerability is because something that I think a lot of what, you know, people say that a lot, men just need to be more vulnerable and, and that's true. However, it, it's almost like we need to, we need to, we need to wait until it's a productive vulnerability. Like you can't just go and cry and, you know, tell whatever, whoever about this problem or that problem. But I, I almost like to think of it in that way where vulnerability in reality for masculinity is, is that openness to everything that you're going through and feeling and, and, and you're trying to become aware of, of, of those things. Yeah. And, and I want to speak to vulnerability cause it's, you know, I hear that a lot, right? Like, and, and even goes back to like the first part of our conversation, which is, you know, men sort of have this privileged idea and like, yeah, we still like kind of hold back on who we are. Uh, and we know we aren't vulnerable, which is true, right? Like we, we like hold on, we can take the burden of everyone. If you're in a situation where you are not in what's called safe containment or safe space, meaning if I bring my hurt, right? Like, Hey man, I'm like really hurting. Like I got a tax bill. It's like 45 K and like, I have no fucking clue, but you're not the right person to hold what's called hold space, which is simply just being a compassionate witness, not a, not an individual that is trying to get involved, but just being there. If you're not that, then I can't bring my vulnerability to you because my vulnerability will just get more wounded. So the idea of vulnerability is absolutely important. And, and I want to mention openness and vulnerability are, they're very, very close, but it's it's the introspection, the openness, the introspection that is necessary first to go within and be like, well, what am I feeling? Like, what what is that? And learning how to hold space for ourselves, knowing that, okay, well, I'm feeling shame. I'm feeling shame. Okay, I'm just gonna sit with shame. I'm gonna sit with that, like that feeling. I'm just gonna feel it, right? Like, and not run from it, not move in it. Like, just like see it as a thing, and just like kind of give it some awareness. Because as soon as you give it awareness, then you can go to the next step, which is acknowledgement. And in the acknowledgement, now you can start to actually process it. You can start to feel it, forgive it, and actually express it. And sometimes that can come out in the form of tears. It can come out in the form of rage. It can come out in the form of, of laughter. It can come out in the form of like shaking. And I, you know, anytime I'm doing, you know, somatic, what's called somatic, which is a Greek root for body somatic work, which is like going deep into the subconscious mind, that is the body. When I do that, that energy, once we start to bring it forward and start to, you know, emancipate it comes out in the most incredible forms. 
So to touch on, again, both openness and vulnerability, they're similar but slightly nuanced difference in the sense that, yes, I need to be open with, with you, right? But also, I need you to be a lighthouse for me. And that lighthouse is just literally being a beacon in the dark. And that dark is my own wound. That dark is my, sh my shame, my guilt, my fear, uh, my aggression. Like, can you hold space for that? You know, it, 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 it comes with, to be a lighthouse, it requires that the individual do deep work. Mm. And when I say deep work, I mean like sitting with your own shame and your own guilt and your own anger and giving that space because then inside of you, you no longer have the same emotional reactions and then you can hold what's called, again, I, I use the word holding space because that's the best word I can come up with that has also been given to me to describe this this nuance, which is the ability to create safe space, which is that protector, right? As the masculine elder in a, in a container, in a, at a retreat, in a, in an event, I can hold space and you can be all of you, right? You can be absolutely all of you without fear of how I'm going to judge you. In fact, I don't judge any of it because I've, I've felt all of it within myself and I've seen all of it. And so in my contain, I call them containers because that's really what they are. In my containers, I've seen literally everything. I've seen men vomit. I've seen men cry. I've seen men rage. I've seen men break things. I've seen men go through the process of just like shedding like every layer of pain that they've ever felt. And in that, that's when their mindset shifts. That's when everything shifts completely because then they can, they, it's almost like you get a brand new uh, software upgrade. You no longer are running from the pain. You've accepted, acknowledged, felt, forgiven, and now you've expressed the pain. And now you're like, oh, holy shit. Like, I get, like, who am I? Like, I get to be whoever I want to be in that moment. And that's, um, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful moment. I've talked to people about this on the show before and a reoccurring theme is just like the need for other people. So like what you're describing there is, you know, you need somebody to hold space for you or to, yeah. you know, you just need to know you have resources available to you before you can become vulnerable, you know, like at a very basic level, that's what you're yes. describing. Yeah. So what do you suggest people do if they're looking for that person or community or group that maybe feel like they don't have something like that? Yeah, there's there's a lot of different styles of men's groups. You know, if, if we're going to speak directly to men, you know, there's a lot of different men's groups that that provide this. I absolutely suggest men find other men. And the reason being that I've been in in healing circles or containers with women, but the reason that men need men is because even the the sexual taboos that men carry, there's no there's no um, confusion, uh, especially around other men. Men, you know, when they're in a group of, of, you know, and they're being vulnerable with other women around them, there's, again, there's, there's a whole like nuance with like masculine and feminine dynamic, which is really, really powerful. But when men are around other men, then they can be completely vulnerable. And they also know that they are accepted, acknowledged by male counterparts. So they are accepted in the masculine itself. And so what you described is absolutely true. You know, like the, the most fundamental human instinct is belonging. We need belonging. And without it, uh, we're, 
we're literally, we won't survive, you know, and, and that's been proven over and over and over again, you know, like the, the, the quickest way to create health vitality in the body is actually having a group of like-minded individuals that are going in the same direction as you, whether it's, you know, a sporting group or, you know, entrepreneur group, or maybe in this case, a, a men's group to be around other people that you can be vulnerable with and you can, you can celebrate each other's successes. I think that's also a big thing too, that we're missing in society is like, you know, if you did really well on your podcast and then you started, you know, advertising and making money in your podcast and you became like number one in your space and you were really kicking ass, I want to celebrate that. Even if I'm not currently there, we need to be able to celebrate that. It's, it's oftentimes and very common that people celebrate those who are struggling, like, oh, you're doing it, you're working hard. But then you, when you get to that place of like true success, and I saw a guy named Alex Ramosi talk about this. It's like, then all of a sudden the haters come out and they're like, oh, well, aren't you a little too good for school? You know, like, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, I just, like, you were just celebrating me like 30 minutes ago when I was like sleeping on the ground and like struggling, but now you're, they're hating on me. So we definitely, we need belonging and you're correct. Yeah. It's, that is the, the keystone um, to true, to true, like to the opportunity of transformation, though the framework of, giving them the space to, to express needs to be there as well. Yeah. And that's such a rare thing I think to find, I don't know if it's because it's, it's nowadays and, and that's what it is, but like there's one guy that I feel like I could call right now and literally say anything to, yeah. and we, you know, we'd be fine. I came in, he's a great friend of mine. We've been doing this show together for six months, but if you said, would you say anything to Cayman? I was like, I, I don't know. If I, I don't know if I would, you know, there's, that's a, that's a very difficult thing to find. And I think especially men can spend literally your entire adult life searching for just one, two, three guys that you can connect with at a level like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, as a society do not have a process of ritual initiation into, and when I say ritual initiation, I mean like psychological initiation into mature masculinity, which mm. that process alone helps a man reckon with all of their shadow, which is all the parts of them they deem as punishable or hidden or they're afraid of. So it's maybe the assertiveness that they have or the, you know, the drive that they have. And they're afraid to really put themselves out there because that was scolded or they were guilt tripped for, I'll give you an example. Like part of my shadow that I know of is asking, asking for help. Because when I would ask my dad, I would get guilt tripped, you know, growing up. And that was just like, all of a sudden I would be like, nope, I'm not going to ask. I'm just, I'm just going to go do it myself. And then that would create personal isolation. You know, then you couple that with everyone else's individual shadow and the lack of ritual initiation in society. We don't have elders. And when I say elders, I mean like in tribal societies, they would have elders that would guide the young males, the boyhood psychology or the, the boys into masculine psychology. And because we don't have that in American society or in the West for, for that matter, uh, we don't have individuals that can hold space. So they don't know how it's like, you know, it's, it's like, we're, we're trying to, like, we know we need coaches in a, in general, but nobody was a coach and nobody can coach coaches. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. How much thought do you give to write a passage? I actually have a ton of questions and this is a topic that I'm so interested in. Um, have you ever read the book, Iron John? 
Uh, I've not read it, although it's it's on my uh, bookshelf right over here. Um, I've read so I'll I'll kind of show you. I've read this book, King Warrior Magician Lover. Uh-huh. Uh, that it's this is an incredible book if you're interested in in ritual initiation. And that was the kind of the first book that got me interested in that. Um, I've read other books, and I I was personally looking for a rite of passage, and I I looked at um moving not moving per se but going to brazil for like seven days or peru you know doing some type of shamanic thing i i looked at you know going on a vision quest in the southwest you know like i've i looked at all of these things and ultimately i sort of guided myself through my own ritual initiation uh which i don't recommend (laughs) number one I do recommend having someone there as a guide because it's so much faster. It just, it took me seven years to really go through a process. Uh, so not only like, do I think it's important? I think it's necessary for men, mm-hmm. especially age anywhere between like 20 to 35. And I'm not saying if you're over 35, like you're not going to get a lot out of it because we, we still are living in a society where there's a lot of uh, man boys running around They're They're still very much like survival of the fittest, you know, I'm going to be top dog and it's very competitive. Uh, instead, like they need to understand who they are, why they're here, what their purpose is so they can be of greatest service to the collective. And so ritual initiation, and we can go over the, you know, the framework of what that means uh, if you're interested in it. But that is, you know, we, at the Unbreakable Man, I offer a three-day, you know, it's really two and a half days, but, you know, it's like you're there for a long time, um, three-day process to to walk men through ritual initiation in a modern society. So it's um, absolutely life-changing for the guys that have come through. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that and, and, and what the framework is. I'll share you. I accidentally did a rite of passage, okay. uh, and I didn't know it at the time, yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> So, so actually, the first guest I ever had on the show, his name's Greg Wren. He was a poetry professor that I had when I was studying in school, okay. and he gave me Iron John because I wrote this poetry or this poem called "How to Kill Your Father," um, and it was just like the you know a play. It was it was fun. It was a it was a joke about how at some point I've heard comedians talk about this. At some point, every guy in their life, in some way like challenges their dad to a fight. Like dad, we're fighting today when you're like 13, 14, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I was writing this funny poem about it. But anyways, he gave me this book and I read it. Or I, I, I didn't read it. Just like I put it on the shelf and it just sat there. You know, I'm living my life. I signed up for a 50 mile ultra marathon in 2019. I'm 19 years old. And uh, I was going to do it with my roommate at the time. We're running and he's got this running background it was a, it was a weird situation. Like I ended up losing touch with this, with this roommate and he like, didn't come back to school for the next semester and he didn't tell any of us. And he was just playing it off. Like he was going to, he was going to come back. So it was like super weird. And then he just bailed out on me at the last minute for this 50 mile run. I'm giving you a really short version of this. No, no, but yeah, I mean, I'm here for it. And I call my, my dad before and you know, I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm still going to do it. Whatever. Uh, and you know, I, I, I have to kind of decided like, I'm going to do this, you know, yeah. it became very much to me about, I've never done anything in my life and I've finished it all the way through. I've, I've always backed out at the last second. And when I was 19, I didn't know how much this was going to transform me, but 
I remember thinking vivid. I was sitting on a bus leaving my college campus to take me back to my townhouse. Uh, and I was like, I'm doing this. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I'm at least going to start it and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I run the 50 mile race. It was the hardest thing I'd ever done at that point in my life. Um, patted myself on the back. Everything was great. A couple months went by. I think probably like a year and a half later, I finally find Iron John on my, on my bookshelf and I read it and, uh, I'm going through it. And it's pretty much like the steps of, of going through rite of passage. It, there's more to it. Uh, the basic premise of the book is it poses the 1960s militaristic father with like a 19 or 1950s militaristic father with like a 1960s, 70s hippie father. And that in reality, what masculinity is, is what is the author calls Iron John or the wild man. And it's somewhere between the middle of those two things, right? It's yeah. like this guy that's adventurous. And I haven't read that book that you've been referencing, but I, I definitely will after this show. It seems very similar. Like there's archetypes of a, of a man that we sort of need to live up to. And a crucial p part of becoming a man is having a rite of passage. And as the book breaks down the different elements of the rite of passage, you know, especially for boys and their relationship with their mothers and their fathers, right? Getting away from your parents, having other people, elders of the tribe show you the way um, so that it's it's really a symbol of stepping outside of your home and becoming your own entity, your own person. I'm reading this and it's just blowing my mind at how all of the the things lined up for me in, in my 50 mile race and leading up to it on accident that, you know, looking back for sure, I feel like when I finished that race, I had a lot of ownership over myself as an individual that I did not have before. Like even though I, w I wasn't living at home for a year or two and I had moved out, I definitely was very reliant on my parents. Um, and I took a lot more ownership of myself after that experience. Yeah. And that's really what initiation is there for. Again, boyhood psychology requires that we are still reliant on others for not only physically, right, but also psychologically and emotionally. You know, it's really, it's really common. I, I love the, even the title of the poem, you know, killing your father, because that, that is the first step. We, as boys, we see our father, whether that was a, you know, he was a good man or not a good man, right? We, we can talk about that in a second. But we see him as the, the masculine God, we see him as the masculine archetype that we want to live up to for good or for better or the worse, you know, like if you think about uh, a lot of fatherlessness homes, right? We think that, oh, the man is so independent that he runs off and he leaves. And so it's super common uh, for that cycle to perpetuate in communities where there, there is fatherlessness inside the home. And so then in that context, the mother has to play both father and mother and they have to carry both masculine and feminine energies, uh, for the children as they're raising them. So they have to be both disciplinarian. They have to hold structure. They have to be very consistent and disciplined, but they also have to be nurturing and loving and caring. And so it's not to say that men don't have that per se, but, you know, in general, again, I say sort of these things in general, that we carry that, that, that edge, right? Like we create order by having discipline, by holding accountability and doing all these things. And what you're describing is, is sort of the first step. There's generally... Uh, a moment in a boy's life where he separates from the old world. Now, I can even speak on, uh, and I haven't read the the book that you described, which is, I think it was like the king something. Um, 
Killing Kings or something like that. Uh, King Killer Chronicles. King Killer, yeah. That or Star Wars or you know Lord of the Rings. These are all these are all stories of initiation. They are they all have a common thread, and so an initiation is literally, and you can use initiation in anything, whether you just become a father, you start a new business, you actually leave and you do some, some form of ritual rite of passage. It's a lot easier to do it in a ritual rite of passage because you're guided. There's people there to support you. There's, it's almost like everything's set up and structured. There's four phases to ritual initiation. And if any one of these phases is missed, then you are going to experience what is called pseudo initiation which is you will get about halfway there or maybe three quarters of the way there, but you'll still kind of allow the old self to run. And this is where, you know, old egoic patterns, old, you know, sort of belief systems will kind of get into play. Um, As an example, this is uh, hazing in fraternities. Uh, These are ritual or sorry, pseudo initiations. Um, I was in the military. This is boot camp. You get sort of plugged into a group of individuals that you think are, you know, like, oh, this is the way. But in reality, there's still a lot of shaming. There's still a lot of sort of toxic, you know, mentality within that. Now, ritual initiation, ritual initiation requires four things. One is separation. That's the first step. Separation is both psychological and physical. So separation is moving away from the old way or old pattern. This is also in the form like you think about even the idea of Lent in in um, Christianity. Uh, you're separating yourself from some old pattern. If you want to start a new habit, this is the same thing. You're separating yourself. You're physically moving yourself away from maybe it's drug or an alcohol. Or in my case, uh, I have the guys come out to a ranch here in Texas and they're separating from their normal day-to-day living. All right. So instead of like doing it online, you know, and saying, all right, we're going to do some a form of initiation without even telling them, you know, it's like, I want to separate them from their day-to-day activities. So I'm like, all right, give me your cell phones. We put the cell phones up. I give them, I make them do certain specific things. I actually make them wear white shirts. That's a thing. Like, I just want them to just all be in alignment with sort of a collective, right? So, like separating them even from their clothing, like just like the old identity. Again, this is all very metaphoric and allegoric, but in practice, it works. Then when you go through that, then you start the process of initiation, which is learning. So let's say you're starting a new business. In this case, you're learning the skill set. You're initiating yourself into the newness, right? Maybe for you, it was actually running, uh, learning how to run, learning how to eat well, learning how to train, learning how to recover, learning how to do everything that you needed to do in order to become that which can run 50 miles or an ultra marathon or 50K, whatever it was. Once you go through the process of actual initiation, like, again, this is, there's two more phases. So now you're like sort of in the, in the world of what's called the unknown. And by the way, this is all from Joseph Campbell's work. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his work. I highly recommend it for anybody that has not read it. If they're interested in this deep psychology, once you go through the process of initiation and learning and doing these things and sort of dipping your toes in, now you go through the actual process of ordeal. An ordeal is actually facing the dragon within. And the dragon could also be a physical dragon, right? So for you, it's actually like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking do this, man. I'm going to, I'm going to go like, I'm going to like 50 K, like everybody's bowing out. I'm, I'm going right. And you actually did it. You actually showed up. 
And so you face the dragon within maybe the self doubt of like, well, I, I could like the little voice in the back of your head being like, Hey man, that's going to be a long way to run. I don't know. Are you sure you want to do it? You know? But then there's also like, I call them the agent Smiths of the world, right? Agent mm -hmm. Smith from the matrix. Who's like trying to suck you back into the matrix of like the old ways of like, no man, like you're going to hurt yourself or like, you really want to run that far. That's like your friends that don't want to lose love. And so you're trying to start a business or start a podcast and you're striving for greatness. And they're like, what are you, why are you working so hard, man? And they're guilt tripping you. And there's like, it's like these like little jabs here and there. Your mom who says, we won't, we, we won't love you less if you don't do this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, it's like easy outs, you know? And sometimes it's like, I'll give you an example, man. Like my, my wife sometimes, and I'm like, I'll come home and I'm like super tired. And she's like, oh, it's okay to rest. And I'm like, yeah, it's okay to rest. And I'm like, no, no, like I got to stay focused, you know, like, and it's like, you don't even realize it, but it's like these little jabs, you know, and, and it's even people that love you, you know, it's like, we won't love you less, right? If you bow out, but you did it, you faced it, right? And then you move through that. And it's like moving through it. It's not just physical, but it's psychological as well, the ordeal. And for the context of my, my program, when I move guys through, it's like, I'm moving you through like the deepest, darkest part of your shame. And I, we're going to bring it out. And, you know, I, I guess I could, I, I'll send you a video, but it's like, I got a guy in front of me. I got this on video. I was like, love this moment. But he was so afraid of being committal in life because he, he had a speech impediment. And I started like, in a way, confronting him, but from a compassionate place and having him push me. And I kept giving him resistance and I kept matching his resistance and I was, I'm only a little bit bigger than him because I've done this with bigger guys and I've gotten balled over, but I, I did it with like with him and, and I hadn't moved me and I'm not wearing shoes in the video either. And he, I just, I kept yelling, move forward. And he kept pushing and pushing, pushing and get to the end of that moment. And it was like a very intense, explosive moment. And he starts bawling, crying. And what was he experiencing in that moment? He actually faced his shadow of his assertion because he was so afraid of being assertive that he would he would literally he literally created a speech impediment within himself. Now here's a really really wild thing with this one case. He wasn't or is an actor. He was working in Virginia, I think near you guys. Um and he was at a, a small time place. Well, he now like I saw him like literally like 3 months after that moment. The speech impediment is gone. Like, I was like, I was blown away. I was like, dude, you don't have a speech impediment. Like, he's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, that is, that is wild because he faced himself, right? So, so again, psychologically, when you move through yourself, when you move through that fear and you step into the world as the human you need to be, you are separating from being reliant on others, especially the masculine and feminine gods that we see our parents as. And we are doing it for ourselves. But then... If this last component is not true, you'll just go back. You'll still remain isolated. And that last component is what's considered the return. And the return is now going back into the society from which you came and giving the gift of what you learned for the greater good of all. So you, just by telling your story, you gave that gift. Even in this moment, by you doing this podcast, you're giving that gift. You are already, you are showing up and you're, you're returning in a, a new vibration, a new level of consciousness because you got through it. 
And so that is the last component where most, I call them pseudo initiations, where most initiations fail is that they don't offer that as part of it, right? So like you get plugged into the group and then they, they don't offer you, like they don't help you find who you are as an individual and help you support others in that. So in the form of fraternities, generally it then becomes, oh, you're part of this, you know, this group of men that want to party in the army, which I was, oh, you're part of this, you know, this fighting force, but then they send you back, right? And this is why veteran suicide is so high. They send you back to society. There's no assimilation process. There's no individuation process to help the, the soldier, the warrior who has gone through all this hurt and this pain and this trauma to reassimilate back into society and they're lost without belonging. And now they're like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what my purpose is. I, don't, I have no value. And then when they become valueless, then they, they start to go into their, their darkness and their shadow. And so all four of those processes must be true in order for initiation or ritual rite of passage uh, to actually be like to be to be whole for the individual to go from old psychology into new psychology. And again, that could just be changing a habit or that could be starting a business or that could be true, again, psychological upgrade. Hmm. Um, is it necessary, you know, these are, these are big moments, right? Uh, is, is it necessary to go through many of these iterations? I feel like for me, I've gone through a handful of them over the last couple, you know, I'm only 23 years old. I, I assume I'll, I'll probably continue to go through many of these things. And, and I'll look back when I'm 30 on this moment and be like, well, I had no idea what I was talking about. But, you know, I think that's part of it, right? There is a, um, at least for me, those big overarching themes where I get to the other side and now I'm sharing what I've learned and gone through with other people. I always come out of that just a little bit different, a little bit better. And then I've got to do it again. And then I've got to do it again. Is that generally how it goes? Yes. Yeah. So you'll go through a series of, of a number of series of initiations in your lifetime. It's when you're aware of like what's happening. It's like, it's like being aware of the, the recipe that you can actually make a, you know, a better lasagna in a way, <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I guess I just like sort of <laughs> kind of brought us into you know, being lasagna. Uh, but what, <laughs> what's happening is that we as humans, we are able to recognize Oh, this is happening. Oh, this is this is actually happening right now. And I know exactly what phase I'm in. So personally, right now, I'm in an ordeal phase of my life. And that ordeal phase is expanding my offering and expanding my business. Because what I was doing was incredible and I knew it, but I knew that there had to be another level and I knew I could help more men. So I started and I created a new product for that. For me, that is a another level of initiation. So I had to learn the skills of maybe getting, you know, setting up small things like systems and learning Zoom meetings and like, you know, frameworks and all this stuff. And then the ordeal is telling the world, this is my ordeal, telling the world about that and being like, hey, I have this new offering. And then being like willing, you know, being like, am I open to be rejected? Right. Am I open to be like, no, nah, man, that your offering sucks. Like, even though I know that I'm doing incredible work, that's my next level. So that for me is what I'm personally going through right now. So you will absolutely go through levels of initiation and you'll know it because we could talk about even the physiology 
it takes about 45 days for new habits to be formed. And what's literally happening is your new neurons are wiring, firing together. And the old part of you that wants to stay soft and cuddly in your bed, that's like, I don't want to like level up. It's like, nah, man, we got to level up. You know, you, you know, you got to, um, it, it happened for me when I had my first child, uh, my second child wasn't as big of a jump, but then my third child, cause I got three babies. Um, that was a huge jump. It was like, I had to learn a new set of skills. I had to be more time man, like manage my time more correctly. I had to do all these things that really lined me up with being a better version of myself. And so just like when you would step into the gym, you know, we don't want to push against styrofoam, right? We want to push against iron and that, that creates more strength that grows our character. And so from a psychological perspective, you know, we're moving from old reactive patterns, things that used to trigger us and piss us off and make us angry to now coming into a more responsive, steadfast. And I want to use the word stoic because that's not, uh, you know, I, I have a whole thing on stoicism, uh, but we're, <laughs> we're coming from a steadfast centered place, right? We are now the beacon. We're now the lighthouse for others. That's really, really interesting perspective. And I'm, I'm very excited to navigate the next period with this framework because I've never had it articulated to me in that way. And I've never, I've never really read it in that simple of a, of a form because, you know, I feel like I just came out of this period. I'm definitely in like a learning period right now, especially with this podcast, you know, we've been doing it for more than six months, which I feel like I'm really starting to get the hang of how this thing goes. But if I'm being honest, the last like six months, I have gone through this period of a lot of uncertainty, lots of feeling of anxiousness. Um, you know, I've had lots of conversations with close people. Like, I don't really even know what I'm doing. You know, what's the, you know, things like that. And uh, having this conversation, and I do feel like I'm in a better place now. Um, it 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 makes a lot of sense, right? Like six months ago was one of the harder times. And that was literally because it was brand new. I stepped out of what I was comfortable with and uh, I was pursuing this new thing. And then I've gone through this long period of time of learning and I'm finally getting to the point of understanding. Cayman and I talk about this too. Something that we want to both work on is create a, a really accessible course for people on like how to start a podcast. And that would be essentially the ordeal and leading into the final phase, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone's ordeal is different. You know, it, it like what might piss you off is something that doesn't piss me off. What might piss me off is something that does not piss you off. Right. Everyone's got their thing. Yeah. I always like to say like, it could be health related. It could be relationships. Uh, a dear friend of mine really gets irritated with relationships. And like, for me, I'm like, yeah, I get irritated with it. You know, my wife and I like every once in a while we'll get, we'll get into it, but like, it's just not my thing. It's not like the thing that I ruminate on. It's, like for me, it's for whatever reason, it's business. And I want to make sure it's the most highly valuable like fucking program on the face of the planet. Like I want to make sure that it, like to the T, like this thing is knocks it out of the park. And I've been able to prove that for myself with my three-day experience, like life-changing, transformational guys still texting me like, dude, that, that experience changed my life. I'm so grateful for you. You know, and when I go into this next iteration, this next product, I want to make sure it's, that's the same thing that it's like the absolute best possible value it could possibly put out. So, you know, as you go through, know that you will always 
you know, you'll always be going through that process and it's, it's ever evolving. That's the fun part about life. That's what, you know, creates the life experience. It's the ability to honor and accept the emotional experience that gives you the access to the next level. That's the, that's the ordeal, right? The, the, the ordeal is not actually doing the physical thing, even doing the, even though doing the physical thing is sort of like a, um, in a way, like a ritual sacrifice, right? Running 50 miles in a way is sort of like a ritual sacrifice, you know, like sacrifice you, toenails. Yeah. Right. <laughs> toenails <laughs> and nipples. If you're wearing a cotton shirt, you know, it's like you are, you are doing the thing, but what is truly actually happening is internal. It's psychological. It's, you know, and I'm sure like there was moments where you're like, dude, I, I don't know if I can make it. Like, and it's like having this conversation with yourself and be like, no, we can make it. We can make it. And this is what I would say. If anybody's going through a process of in life and they're like really hurting, it's bring awareness to the thing that you're that where you're hurting. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a family member, you know, is irritating you. Just bring awareness to what your, you know, your pain is and just accept that that is, that is happening, right? Just accept that like, you cannot change future or past. It's now here we are. You're just accepting that this is real. And then when you accept that, like, even in like the worst pain, you cannot, like, you can't run. You're like, you have to accept that that exists here and now. And then when you accept it, now you can start to transmute it. And the transmutation process is now giving it acknowledgement in the form of, well, I'm going to, I'm going to feel this and I'm going to know that this is part of my reality. And I'm going to start to forgive myself, right? My, my part in it, you know, other part of it, whatever, whoever, like just forgive the pain, just forgive like the hurt. Cause a lot of times we, especially psychological wounds, we like, we want to hold on and be like, oh, well, that's your fault, dad or mom or brother or, you know, kid from fifth grade who picked on me for, you know, the way I, I wore my shirt, you know, whatever. Like we, we all have our wounds, but really ultimately what's happening is it's inside of us. And after we acknowledge it, we feel it, we forgive it, then we can express it. And for men, it's really hard to express because we were told, hey, don't cry, you know, don't let that out. Don't let, you know, like, it's like, you know, our rage is bad. We have shame around our rage. And so we don't rage. We don't let it out. We don't express, but then it'll come out no matter what it'll come out. It's just a matter of like, are you doing it in a way that's, that's healthy and that's constructive and then transmuting that. And acceptable, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That term acceptance to me has become pretty important over the last couple of years of my life, you know, except the things that have happened to you, except the nature of you and your energy and who you are. And and I think that a lot of peace that people feel like they're missing comes from acceptance. And, you know, there's all the stuff we've talked about. This is a pretty cool full circle way to wrap up the conversation. You know, all the stuff that we've talked about contributes to that as well. But at a very simple level, I have found a lot of, of peace and, and acceptance. Um, and Dave, this has been an awesome conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add to that? Yeah, man. It's like, we're all, we're all living the human experience. We all have a spectrum of emotion. There's no such thing as bad emotion and there's no such thing as good emotion, right? It's, it's, 
allowing ourselves to feel all of it that actually brings context to our our experience as a human. And when we do that, when we do the formula, right? When we like move through it, then we are given a new framework, almost a new perspective. That for me is what magic is. Magic for me is when you can change your perspective of a situation based on your new level of clarity, your new level of, of belief system. Because that, that again, then, yeah. Magic for me is when you can change your perspective of a situation based on a new level of clarity. Now you, mm -hmm. instead of feeling like that, you know, let's say your girlfriend like cheated on you, instead of seeing that as a bad thing, quote unquote, bad thing, maybe you see it as a, as a positive thing as a opportunity for growth that you are now more aware, consciously aware of what your desires are in a human, in a woman, what you want, right? So you see all things as positive and then that creates magic. The magic is in the ability to accept the pain, not in the, not in the running away from it. And that's the difference, right? And as soon as you accept all of it, that's when things can shift, right? Like situations no longer are detrimental. They're actually, growth potential and you can you can make new decisions based on that perspective dude i appreciate you so much for doing this it was great to get to meet you get to know you uh it was an awesome chat where can people find more from you and the stuff that you put out yeah man uh i'm on instagram i also have a podcast called the unbreakable man podcast um people can check out i guess my instagram handle is dr dave d-r-d-a-v-e and my last name cohodes c-o-h-o-d-e-s and then they can check out if any man is looking for uh, a three-day rite of passage to really you know crack through if they are struggling if they feel stuck in life that they're, they're just not getting the results that they're looking for uh, they can check out theunbreakableman.com slash experience. And in that, they will get what they're looking for. And so that is a, again, it's a life-changing experience. And um, I, I always put my money where my mouth is. You know, I always say like, if you don't feel like you got anything of value, I'll give you all your money back and pay for your flight home. So that's uh, that's my guarantee, man. I, I guarantee that thing. That's It's my bread and butter. And I'm I'm really happy about it. Good deal. I'll make sure I include all that in the show notes. Uh, and what is the name of that book? I will also include that in the show notes. Yeah. So it's called uh, King Warrior, Magician Lover. It's by Robert Moore, Douglas Gillette. Um, or if or people are more interested in in sort of deep masculine psychology, obviously Iron John's a good one, although I haven't read it, I will say. Um, and it's, then kind of, it's kind of boring. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of boring. You have yeah. to be really in, into it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard that. Um and there's other there's other really good books like Way the Superior Man, but uh, ultimately, you know, there's a lot of like Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung, you know, those are some incredible books that will help guys along the way. Good deal, man. We'll leave it there. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Good People. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dave as much as I did. If you are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please consider giving the show a rating. It really does help us out a ton. If you were listening and you thought of somebody who would enjoy the conversation, please share it with them, even if it's your grandma. We'll see you next time.